Praise the Lord. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. And we'll begin to read at verse 22. And he, that is Jacob, rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford of the river Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled him a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thy power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed them there. And Jacob called the... And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel or Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel ate not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. And we know as always the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and your presence to worship you and to praise you. And now we come to thy word. We ask you, Lord, to bless thy word unto our hearts. And may your word never be judged from the flawed vessel that it flows from. Glorify thy name today. Touch thy people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me say at the very start of this message this morning that, that God doesn't always work the way that we thought he would work. Many people have experienced that. Sometimes he, answers, he, he, sometimes he always answers our prayers the way that we think that he should answer them. For instance, if, I, if the Lord answered my prayers the way I wanted him, I'd be in trouble this morning. Probably be in jail to be the truth be told. God doesn't work according to our plans or our purposes and timings. He works according to his own. The apostle says he does all things for his pleasure. And sometimes I feel like that Syrian leper in Kings chapter, in 2 Kings when the prophet of God told him to dip seven times in the dirty river Jordan. And he was, when he was told this, he exclaimed, Behold, I thought... I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And sometimes we think that the way that God should operate in our lives, and sometimes he does the exact opposite. And we can look back on our experiences and say like Jacob of old in Genesis 28, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Jacob wasn't aware of it until after the event. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 
Be not forgetful to, under, to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And brothers and sisters, how many times in our lives have we missed the blessing because it looked like a curse? How many angels have we turned away because they looked like strangers? How many kings have we turned away from our doors because they were dressed in the rags of a beggar? And some of the strangest ministers that God sends us, we don't recognize them because they don't look the way ministers and blessings are supposed to look. And in this story, which is not a once upon a time fairy tale, in this story of Jacob, we see how God deals with his children, how he makes them to be what he wants them to be. And in this, especially true of Jacob's bizarre encounter with the stranger at the river Jabbok, in chapter 32, which we've just read. From the first scene until the final curtain, Jacob's story reads like a soap opera. Some of the cast of characters are Isaac, his father, Rebecca, his mother, Esau, and Jacob, who were twin brothers. Not identical, not in looks, and certainly not in nature. The twins were an answer to prayer. Rebecca, their mother, was barren, according to Genesis 25, which was a mark of reproach to a Hebrew wife. Isaac, her husband, prayed to the Lord on Rebecca's behalf. And the Lord answers, answered Isaac's prayer. Rebecca became pregnant. Men, men, what you pray for? Do you hear me? Just men, what you pray. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. But there was trouble from the very start. Genesis 25 tells us, and the children struggled within her. You mommies know what that's like, a baby, particularly coming the end of term, how the baby moves and kicks and fights and everything else. I did it when I was a child. My mother had ten of us, and she said I was the worst one. <laughs> she said, I, I struggled. I said, for the full 40 weeks. She says, no, for the full 40 years. <laughs> when, I was, when I was born, the midwife slapped my mother. <laughs> God bless her, she's in heaven today. And the brothers, before even they were born, before even they're born, they were fighting. And the struggle and the fight must have been so fierce that Rebecca cries unto the Lord in Genesis 25 and 22, If it be so, why am I thus? In other words, if all is well, what, why am I like this? Lord, if this is really you, if this is miraculous, if this is an answer to prayer, why all the struggle? You see, Rebecca couldn't reconcile the blessing with the battle. Rebecca couldn't reconcile the blessing with the battle. And the Lord answered her, and he said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. I wonder what the pro-abortionists would say about that. That's how God says it. Two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy womb or from thy bowel. And the one people shall be stronger than the other. And the elder shall serve the younger. Then the big day came. Mommy, it's just always great when the big day comes, isn't it? Oh, sorry, lads, no, not about it. Be quiet. We get the easy part and all the men said. There's not many two amens there, so there's not. But the big day came. 
And the first baby that emerged from the womb was the elder brother. They called him Esau because he was hairy. And then the next baby which follows, he's coming out of the womb. And with his hand, it's hard to imagine that, isn't it? With his hand, the Bible says, he grabs or he takes hold of Esau's heel. So they name him Jacob, which means heel catcher. It was the perfect name for him. The name Jacob means is to snatch by the heel or to trip someone up by the grabbing of the heel. Is there anybody here this week and you've tried to trip somebody up? You've tried to put somebody down? If you are, you're a Jacob. You see, the name Jacob reeks with deceit, with cunning craft. It means twister. It means conman, cheat, chancer, manipulator. And if your name's Jacob here this morning, don't, don't be offended. <laughs> I used to love old Jacob, Reese Mogg, but in the last few weeks I've gone off him a wee bit. <laughs> but that's only, that's only by the way. That's only by the way. And this was the character of Jacob. And this was the one who God loved. Jacob have I loved Esau, who have I hated, the Bible says, or less loved. When Jeremiah the prophet said in 17 verse 9, The heart is desperate above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One translation has it, the heart is a Jacob. The heart is a Jacob. And Jacob lived up to his name. He maneuvered Esau out of his birthright. He tricked his blind, dying father into giving him the blessing that belonged to Esau. No wonder in Genesis 27 and 36, Esau cries with tears, is he not rightly named Jacob? He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. And from that day forward, Esau vowed to get even with Jacob. He vowed to kill him. Esau hated Jacob with a passion. So Jacob, who was in cahoots with his mother, on her advice, goes to visit his uncle Laban in Haran. And 20 years passed. 20 years passed. And now Jacob is returning home. 20 years, brothers and sisters, in the Bible, goes like that. But God can recall every second. God can recall every minute. Something can happen a thousand years ago and God can remember it if it happened as 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 if it happened five minutes ago. And here in our story that God meets this con man Jacob head on and it wasn't the first time he met him but this is how God makes a prince out of a twister. How God makes an Israel out of Jacob. This is how God takes us as we are. Warts and all and he makes us into what we ought to be. You see, brothers and sisters, the Lord tells us to come as we are, but not to stay as we are. I'm going to say that again. The Lord tells us to come as we are, but he doesn't tell us to stay as we are. And here we see Jacob, and he thinks he's about to meet Esau. He got the news that Esau's coming with 400 men. 400 men. That wasn't a welcoming party. That was an army. 300, 800 people are a battalion. And Jacob believed they were coming after him. And the Bible says, if you read the whole chapter, he was full of fear and dread. You see, the chickens were coming home to roost, as I say, down our way. Jacob had sowed the seed, and he was about to reap a banquet of consequences. He was about to get his comeuppance. But it never occurred to him 
that this, there was a far greater meeting that was about to take place. Jacob wasn't going to meet Esau. Jacob was going to have an encounter with God. Or better still, God was going to have an encounter with Jacob. And can I say this morning, can I say this morning, brothers and sisters, Jacob's battle, Jacob's struggle, Jacob's problem was not with Esau. It was what was God. And there, the Bible says in verse 24, and there wrestled a man with him. And we all know who that man was, and it wasn't Esau. It was the angel of the Lord. It was God himself. And can I, hear, can I say something this morning, and please don't understand me, and I would usually be talking to the white well people, but there's believers this morning, and your struggle, your battle is not with the devil. Your struggle and your battle is with God. And so is mine. So is mine. Let me put it this way. I find it easier to say no to the devil than I do say, to, to say yes to God. I'll say that again. I find it easier saying no to the devil than I do saying yes to God. Let me illustrate. There's believers here this morning, maybe, maybe not, and, and, and you wouldn't swear. You wouldn't profane. You wouldn't let a curse word pass your lips. You wouldn't utter, utter a word of obscenity. The thought would be obnoxious to you. But you struggle every day to pray. You struggle every day to worship. You struggle every day to praise him. You struggle every day to thank him and to come into his presence. Your struggle's not with the devil. Your struggle's with God. Your struggle's with God. There's some of, some of God's people, and they would never dream of robbing a bank or stealing or thieving or, 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 or going into Marks and Sparks or Tesco's or Asba and stealing something. The thought would be abhorrent to them. But they'll come into God's house every Sunday morning and you'll rob them in tithes and offerings. Your struggle's not with the devil. Your struggle's with God. There's some of us probably all of us, and we would never stop in a bar since we got saved, or a pub, or a club, or the bookies, or some place of ill repute, but we struggle to come to a prayer meeting. Your struggle's not with the devil. Your struggle's with God, brothers and sisters, just like Jacob's. And even in the Bible, apart from Jacob, there was those who, when God was passing Ishmael in favor of Isaac, Abram cried, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Abram's controversy was not with the devil. It was with God. When Job lost everything, it wasn't the devil that gave and the Lord took away. The Bible says it was the Lord that giveth and the Lord taketh away. Jacob's battle was with God and not the devil. And what about Jonah? What about Jonah? Was he running away from the devil? He was running away from God. He was running away from God and his call. And Jacob's struggle was not with the devil or Esau. Jacob's struggle was with the Lord himself. Brothers and sisters, circumstances and situations come into our lives and God permits them. I'm going to go even far to say God ordains them to shape in us, to fashion us. The Bible says that we are chosen in the furnace of affliction. And sometimes we wrestle and struggle with them and we treat them as imposters. We thought the blessing was a curse. We turned away the kings from our door because they were dressed in the clothes of a beggar. 
And sometimes God sends strange ministers into our lives. Adversity, hardship, criticism, loss, pain, suffering. But while that's happening, listen to me. Not one of your tears go unseen. Not one of your hair of your head goes unnumbered. And not one cry from your mouth goes unheard, even in bereavement, even in loss. It's an all in order that we might be like him. The Bible says all things, not just some things or most things, everything's in the mix. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. Old Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the waves that threw me up against the rock of ages. <laughs> That's good theology, isn't it? See if you can do that, you can sleep in your bed at night. You hear me? But sleep like a baby. And here in our story, God gets the hold of Jacob. See, we have got a God this morning, brother, sister. We have got a God this morning who wants to engage with us. A God who wants to connect with us. A God who's looking for intimacy. God's not looking for a courtship with us. God's looking for a marriage. He's looking for a marriage. He's looking for a bond. He's looking for intimacy. Just you and him closing the door and having a time with him. He's looking for encounter. He wants to surprise us from time to time. As old C.S. Lewis says, with his presence or as the band sang, and I love it. Oh, it stuck with me. Overcome with your presence. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like that? That's what I desire. Paul, after, Paul, after 30 odd years of serving the Lord, said these words, that I might know him. I might know him. After 30 years, Paul, all the things you'd revelate, that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. Paul was only, he packed three lifetimes into one. And he was only scratching the surface. God is not aloof this morning. You hear me, brother, sister, sir, lady? God is not aloof this morning. He's approachable. He's accessible. He's reachable. And he's touchable. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. One rendering has it. One rendering has it. The word of God. The word of God became flesh and came into our neighborhood. Hallelujah. When you love the Lord to come into your neighborhood, the place where you live, the place where you work, the place where you worship, when you love his presence. See, 20 years, God met Jacob at Bethel. At Bethel, Jacob saw a ladder. At Jabbok, he saw the Lord. At Bethel, Jacob became a believing man. At Jabbok, he became a broken man. At Bethel, he became the son of God, son of God. At Jacob, at Jacob he became a saint of God. At Bethel, he got a new spring in his step. But at Jabbok, he walked away with a limp. He walked 20 years. 20 years had passed. And he's still the same old Jacob. He's still the same old Jacob. And at Bethel, Jacob got the whole of... Jacob got God. But God hadn't got Jacob. It's one thing me having the Lord. It's, the Lord, it's another thing the Lord having me. Amen. Do you remember those who came to the Lord? The Bible, when Christ talked about it, he says, in that great day, they will come to me, and I did this in your name, and I did miracles in your name, and I had the big crowds in your name. And you know what the Lord's going to say to them? Depart from me, you curse it. I never knew you. Aye, but we knew you, Lord. Us knowing him's nice, but 
He's got to know us. He's got to know us. Does he know you this morning? Pastor, I know him. That's wonderful. But does he know you? Does he know you? And he knew Jacob. Has he got us this morning? Has he got me this morning? Has he got you this morning? Has he got everything of me? And have we got everything of him? You see, brothers and sisters, God is not finished with us yet. Do you hear me? We're still a work in progress. Was it the old Wesley hymn says, change from glory into glory? Hallelujah. Not finished. Still working on us. He's still on the table. We're still at the job walk. We're still on Penile. He's still working. He hasn't given up on us. Do you hear me? He hasn't given up on us. And if you think I'm finished, brothers and sisters, you'd be wrong about that. God's chipping away at every one of us, making us into the person, to the people that he wants us to be. It was Michelangelo one day, he had a big block of marble and he was chipping at it. And somebody says, Mr. Angelo, what, what are you making? What do you see? What are you making? He said, I'm making an angel. And then they said to him, how can you make an angel out of marble? He says, I just chip away anything that doesn't look like an angel. And brothers and sisters, God is just chipping away at anything that, does, that, that looks, doesn't look like an angel, that doesn't look like a saint, a saint of God, that doesn't look like a child of God. Do you hear me? God is chipping away. And the Bible says, And Jacob rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons, and he passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook, sent over all that he had, and Jacob was left alone. Can, can you imagine the scene? At the Ford Jacob, Jabbok, at that little river. The hugs, the kisses, the what about these? The hugs, the kisses, the tears. Eleven sons. Imagine having eleven sons. It's like running a herd of buffalo, isn't it? <laughs> and he like, listen, love the ball. Can you see him? He was letting them go. He was letting them go. He was, maybe they thought they would never see him again. Those 11 sons, that his beloved Rachel, and he was splitting them up into two bands. The softest part about Jacob was his teeth. He split them up into two bands, and he sent one way or the other, and the other way, so that if he saw caught up with them, he would only lose half of them. <coughs> one by one that night. Can you watch? Can you see them? Stepping into the river, huh? holding their hands. For the very last time, the dead of night, the very last time, they were all listening to the sound of silence. As they heard them going away, the voices going down, the animals, the, the cattle, the livestock. And the Bible says, brothers and sisters, and Jacob was left alone. Can you see Jacob standing there? In the water, maybe up And he's thinking to himself, does it all come to this? Do you, you ever think that? Do you ever get in a situation? How did it all get here? How did it all come to this? And Jacob was left alone. Jacob had nothing. He had nothing. All his blessings were gone. And God had blessed Jacob. Make no mistake about it. God had blessed Jacob. But his whole net worth was separated from him. And sometimes God does on their lives. Sometimes God takes away the props and he takes away the crutches and he takes away the human aids so they're just us. Huh? And as the wee song says, when I've got nothing left but God, I can start all over again. Amen. Reading about Pastor Ken's testimony this week, he'd lost everything twice. But he's here this morning, isn't he? 
in the house of the Lord. God's been good. And Jacob was left alone. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, for us to have a real encounter with him, we've got to get alone. Well, it's good to be in the group. It's good to be in the gatherings. It's good to be among the crowd. But there's times, brothers and sisters, if we want a real encounter with God, we've got to get alone. And you know what, it, you know what I mean by being alone. They tell me that the king of birds, the eagle, flies alone. The lion, the king of the jungle, hunts alone. The great whale, most of the time, swims alone. When I read this book, I find that great men and great women, they walk alone. It's a lonely walk sometimes. But for them to get what God has for them, that's the price tag. Read the scriptures. Abraham leaves Sarah behind when he pleads with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. Joshua is alone when the Lord appears to him as a soldier. Elijah is alone when he raises the child from the dead. Daniel is left alone when he saw the great vision. Cornelius was alone when the angel of the Lord visited him in Acts chapter 10. Peter was on the housetop alone. Paul was three years in the wilderness alone. So was John the Baptist. Another John, John the Beloved, he was alone on the Isle of Patmos. Many times the Lord Jesus is left alone in prayer. And what does he tell us? And you pray, shut the door and pray to your Father, which is in secret. Getting alone with God. Have you been alone with God? Oh, you've been too busy? If you're too busy, you're far busier than God ever intended you to be. You hear me? If you're too busy, you're far busier than God ever intended you to be. I read the story of Susan Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She was the mother of 19 children. She looked after every one of them, washed them, fed them, ironed, clothed, cleaned them often. But every day, every day in her life, for one hour, kids or no kids, she went into her bedroom with an open Bible and spent one hour in prayer with the Lord. Sometimes she used to throw her wee apron over her head. You remember years ago, they used to wear the wee aprons or wee pennies or whatever you call it. Sometimes she'd just throw it over her head for the children to run about and just to have a time with the Lord, getting alone with him, getting alone with him. You see, is it any wonder, is it any wonder that she gave John Wesley, that God gave us John Wesley through her, the founder of Methodism, won thousands of souls for Christ, saved England from a bloody revolution. Oh, we could do with John Wesley tonight, couldn't we? We could, jo- we could do with John Wesley today. And not only John Wesley, but Charles Wesley, who wrote over 6,000 hymns. Many of them we still sing today. In 2019, it was said that John preached the theology and Charles put the words in the music. <laughs> For a woman just praying an hour a day. And the Bible says, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled him a man until the breaking of the day. Listen, when you get alone, you'll find yourself that you're not alone. Just like Jacob. You see, getting alone is not being lonely. You can be lonely and not be alone. And you can be alone and not be lonely. And this man that Jacob wrestled with was no mere man. And it wasn't Esau. It was the angel of the covenant. The angel of the Lord. Hosea calls him in chapter 12 of his book, calls him the the Lord God of hosts. This was a theophany. A pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of a man. 
And if you read the Bible, there's about 10 theophanies. And here God was about to deal with Jacob in a personal way. This was a divine interruption. I want divine interruptions, do you not? <laughs> what I tell you, I want God to get crushed my party sometimes. Let me tell you, I want God just to put us. I know He stands at the door and knocks, and everybody says that He's such a gentleman, He'll not open the door. But listen, He can put His shoulder to my door anytime. He can put His shoulder to my door anytime. Come, Lord, come. And He starts to wrestle with Jacob. Notice Jacob didn't wrestle with him. He says, He, the Bible says, He wrestled. With Jacob. Isn't it amazing when you read the Bible? And you get these pictures how God holds our hands. And he walks with us. And he carries us. And he holds us up. And he lifts us up. Here's a picture of God picking a fight with his people. Here's God wants to wrestle with his people. And as Jacob wrestled with him. He starts to cling on. Starts to. What are you clinging on to this morning? What are you clinging on to this morning? What are you not letting go of that you should let go of? A relationship? A memory? A bit of something happened in the past? What are you clinging on to? Jacob was cling, clinging on to the Lord. If you're going to cling on to anything, cling on to him. He's the all-satisfying, all-sufficient Christ. Amen. You, don't need any, you don't need anything anymore. You don't need anything else. He's everything. The Bible says while he was doing that wrestling... He touched the hollow of his thigh and Jacob's thigh was out of joint. Listen, God can touch the hollow places in your life. God can touch the empty places. He can touch the places of nothingness. Nothing is void with his touch. Do you hear me? Nothing is void of his touch. Whether it's a marriage your walk with the Lord, your home, your relationship with your wife, your husband, your sons, your daughters. Listen, let him touch you this morning. Notice it was a touch. He touched his thigh. He didn't punch it. He didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't karate chop it. He just touched it. Listen, God doesn't need to hit you in the head over with a hammer to make you to be what he wants you to be. Do you hear me? You just need a touch. Just a gentle touch. Sometimes it's a breath. Sometimes it's a lava. Do you remember? Listen, he can spit me anytime. He can spit me anytime. Listen, just need a touch. Does anybody here need a touch this morning? Do you know something? Just one touch from the king changes everything. Everything. Let him touch you this morning. Let him touch you. And the angel said unto him in verse 26, and I'm almost through. He says, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except I bless me. That's ironic, isn't it? He's prepared to let his waves go. He's prepared to let his sons go. And his maid servants and his men servants and all the cattle. His, his, whole, his whole networks. He was able to let it go. But not the angel. Not God. You see, Jacob just didn't want the blessings. He wanted the blessing. You hear me? The blessings are no good without the blessing. And he wanted the blessing. He didn't want the gifts. He wanted the giver. He just didn't want life. He wanted the giver of life. And that's why the psalmist says, Thy loving kindness is better than 
Life. There's things more, there's things more precious than life. And that's him. There's things more precious than life. And that's eternal life. Eternal life. And he says he wanted the blessing. And this lesson here is Christians, listen to me. And remember this, what I said. You'll never hear me again. Listen, Christians, brother and sister. Hold on to the things that we can see lightly. Hold on to the things that we can see lightly. And the things that we can't see, hold on to them tightly. You see, as believers, we're called to build altars and to pitch tents. Building altars is permanent. It's eternal. It's everlasting. Pitching tents is passing and temporal and fading. But these deserts believers, instead of building altars and pitching tents, they're building tents and pitching altars. Wrong road. Old Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings, he says it's calculated up. I reckon that the sufferings, no matter what I go through in life, the re- I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And all you look what Paul went through in his life, all the disasters, the whippings, the, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you know what he says? For these light afflictions. What? <laughs> he calls them light afflictions. For these light afflictions, listen, it's but for a moment. It's temporary. Whatever you're going through this morning, should it be grief? Should it be cancer? Should it be criticism? It's temporary. It's not eternal. It's not eternal. Even if you lived a hundred years, it's temporary. It's going to fade. And it's going to prosper. But this late affliction is but for a moment. Listen, worketh for us a far more exceedingly eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight, late affliction. What do you want? Eternal weight, late affliction. Brothers and sisters, in God's economy, loss sometimes is gain. It's gain. What Paul said about death, for me to live is Christ, to die is. He said, I'm on a twix. I'm double minded here. I don't know what to do. I want to stay with this and build churches and write, do all of the write more pestles and all that. But I want to go with Christ. Which is what? Far better. Far better. Verse 27. What is thy name? He said. He says, Jacob. Asked him anybody asked Jacob's name. He said he was Esau. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> See, when you're in the presence of the Lord, there's always confession time. Isn't there? There's always confession time. And it's good for the soul. And when Jacob told him his name, he was telling him what he was. He was redefining himself with that big word, 21st century word. I'm a heel catcher. I'm a con artist. I'm a twister. I'm a liar. I want to tell you something. There's something I got here this morning. I want to tell you something. He knows the worst about you and still he loves you. Do you hear me? There's nothing you can do the day that will diminish his love for you. Do you hear me? Because you're his and he is yours and he made you and he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He sings over you, the Bible says. Why don't you sing it over me? (laughs) 
I remember being, you'll tell you, I remember being in New York City and we're going to the airport and JFK and the taxi man took us through. You see, everyone in Brooklyn said, No, well, he says, Some like Mount Vernon, we'll take you through. <laughs> and there's this, there's this big black man, black man, is that the right word? Six foot six. And he had the shorts on and the, you know, the, the, the sound, not the sound, you know, the boots all you get and the t shirt. But anyway, on his t shirt, he had these words on it. When God made me, he was showing off. <laughs> when God, hey, brothers and sisters, seriously. When God made you, when God made you, you know what he was doing? He was showing off. He was a tremendous sense of humor, our God has me. But listen, when he made you, he was showing off. He paid an incalculable price for you. Do you hear me? He paid an incalculable price. We're his twice over. We're his by creative right, and we're his by redemptive right. And the angel said unto him, he knows everything about it, and the angel said unto him, and I love this, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, no more deceiver, no more manipulator, no more sinning. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince that has power with God. No more Jacob, but Israel. Israel means God governed. God mastered. Jacob was a bad name. Jacob had a bad name. Is there anybody here this morning and you've got a bad name? You've got a bad name in your neighborhood. You've got a bad name in the place you work. Maybe you've got a bad name because somebody told lies on you or gossiped with you. Listen, you give God that. You give God that. You give God. Listen, if you've got a bad name this morning, let God change your name. And not just your name. Not just your name, but your nature. Amen. Your nature. Amen. Your nature. We can get our names changed, but we need our nature changed. Do you hear me? You have your name changed, it means nothing. Go to the deed pool. In fact, it was Bill Wilson told this story. Uh, there's a guy he knew, uh, and well, he didn't know, but he was just telling it. He said he went to, his name was, his name was Jimmy Stinkin. That was his name. <laughs> listen to me, listen. His name was Jimmy Stinkin. And, and he couldn't stick it any longer. He couldn't stick it any longer, so he went. He said, I need to get this shoes. We went to the council office and through deed pole, you know. And he goes up to the girl and he says, I want my name changed. She says, Well, real careful. I get the forms. What is your name? He says, Jimmy Stankin. <laughs> and she says, Right enough. <laughs> she says, What do you want to change to? He says, Billy Stankin. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know? Must have a heart. Listen. You know? But God, God can change your name. God can change your name. And Jacob got a new name. Everything about Jesus is new. Israel means prince with God. Isn't that lovely? Prince with God. Imagine from a worm. From a worm. That's what Jacob was. I'll read about him in a minute. That's where Jacob was. He was a worm. He was a slug. He went from a slug to a saint. Amen. Old Sidney Murray used to say, he went from a Johnny Walker to a gospel talker. <laughs> such a change is so radical. Eh? So wonderful. Such a, such a change from a worm is, to a prince, from Jacob to Israel. Remember what Isaiah said in chapter 41, verse 14? Fear not thy worm, Jacob. A worm. So insignificant. So low. So incidental, no hands, no legs, no eyes. A worm is a picture of nothingness. 
But here's what God says about this worm, Jacob and Isaiah. Behold, I will make you a sharp threshing instrument having teeth. And they weren't false teeth. They were the real McCoy. Imagine being a sharp threshing instrument in God's hand, having teeth. And he says, Thou shalt thresh the mountain, beat them small, a shaft, and make them, make them a shaft. Brothers and sisters, imagine letting God do that with you. Imagine going out tomorrow morning starting work, knowing that you're not a worm, that you're a sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful. And the Holy Spirit within us can do it. Could I ask you this morning, is there a Jacob here this morning? Is there a Jacob? Is there a Mr. Jacob? A Mrs. Jacob, a Miss Jacob, a Master Jacob. Remember, I'm almost through. I said that 10 minutes ago, but I'm almost through. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, and he said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is the first time I think God calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This statement would follow the children of Israel until this present day, when they refer to Jehovah as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I can understand, brothers and sisters, why God, why he called himself the God of Abraham. Abraham was a friend of God. He believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. I can understand that. And I can understand why he called himself the God of Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. Isaac was the miracle baby, the miracle child. He was the seed of Abraham. But what amazes me this morning, what he said about Jacob, he said he was the God of Jacob which means twister and corn artist and cheat and deceiver. Jacob was an embarrassment to his family and to the kingdom of God. That God would be the God of Jacob was amazing. Jacob was a mega mess. He was in large scale. He had a past, a checkered life, and he carried a lot of baggage. You wouldn't have let him into the ministry. You wouldn't have let him into the choir. You wouldn't have made him a deacon. You wouldn't have given him a CV for a job. You wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have made a good deacon. Jacob couldn't be trusted too many because there's too many question marks over his life. So why did God associate himself with this questionable character of Jacob? And why does God pick this particular time in life, in Moses' life, to talk to him? Maybe it's because there's a Jacob in all of us. You see, the best of Jacob was Israel. And the worst of Israel was Jacob. And maybe God was trying to tell Moses. Now think about Moses in the burning bush. Maybe God was trying to tell Moses, I can use you. I know you murdered a man. I know you're a backslider. I know you're on the run. I know you're an outlaw. You've been on the run for 40 years. Moses was God's first basket case, by the way. He was. He was. And even though, listen, even though Moses was always looking over his shoulder, and even though his future was bright, and even though he had a stammering tongue, and he made all those excuses for God not to use him, it, God was really saying to him, I'm not just the God of the good people or the religious people, or the church-going people, or the people with the good background, or the people with the good upbringing. I'm not just the God of Abraham or Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm not just the God of the successful. I'm the God of the shameful. That's who our God is. 
I'm the God of the con man, the trickster. I'm the God of the cheat. I'm the God of the messed up, the wired up, the fed up, the screwed up, the mixed up, the cut up, the beat up, and the washed up. What a God we serve. Does anybody fit in that character this morning? Anybody fit in there? He's looking on, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. He wants to meet you at Jabbok. He wants to meet you at a burning bush. He's relentless. He's relentless. Is there a Jacob here this morning? Somebody who has baggage from the past, fears for the present, and no prospects for the future. Listen, I want to tell you something. God's just not interested in the big things of your life. And he's just not interested in the small things of your life. He's interested in everything of your life. Everything. And you would have thought, brothers and sisters, that he would have told Moses, that he would have said to the Moses, he would have said to Moses, that he was the God of Israel. Because he said to Jacob, don't call yourself Jacob anymore. So why does God call himself, why, why does God call himself the God of Jacob instead of the God of Israel? Because Moses thought he was disqualified. Moses thought he had missed it. And God had to remind him that he was the God of the people who had failed. Is anybody here that's failed this morning? Is anybody who's failed flat in your face, fall flat in your face? Listen, I will say to the Lord, Lord, it's not that I can do, I can do some things without you. I can do most things without you. I can do nothing without you. Nothing without you. So is anybody here this morning and you failed? Failed as a mother, as a father? Failed in your marriage, your business, your relationship, failing in your health? Failed as a Christian? God had to remind him that he wasn't the God of Israel. He just wasn't the God of Israel. But he was the God of Jacob. Listen to me. No failure need to be final. You hear me? Somebody's listening to my voice this morning. This is for you. No failure need to be final. In verse 29, Jacob gets the blessing. The Bible says, and he blessed them there. I haven't time to go into it. I know time's going on. But there's a place called there in the Bible. You'll not find it on the map. You'll not find it in Google. You'll not find it in Satnav. But there's a place called there in the Bible. Where God commands the blessing, there He will come up. Where two or three are gathered together in My name, then yeah. there am I, am I in the midst. There's a place called there. Remember years ago you went to Tenerife. Years and years ago you went to Tenerife if you could afford it. You sent a postcard home, and you were home about three weeks, and your postcard still wasn't home. <laughs> you remember? Very old, old enough to remember that. I do. And it says on the last thing, "Wish you were here." Yeah. Well, God's writing you a postcard this morning. You're going to get it immediately. You know what it says? I wish you were there. I wish you were there. The place you used to be. When you're in fire for God. When you walk with God. When you never missed a prayer meeting. When you're giver your witness. You're in fire for God. But as the old song says, suddenly the light that once burned brightly, suddenly burns so dim. And the Bible says in Jacob, call the name Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. In other words, he's seen a different face of God. Have you seen the face of God this morning in the worship? Have you seen the face of God this morning in the table? Have you seen the face of God in the scriptures? Verse 31, last verse, and he passed over Peniel. And the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Can you see him? And the sun rose upon him. The sun rose upon everybody out there. But the Holy Spirit separates and segregates Jacob from anyone else. Because in order for God to get Jacob's heart, he had to dislocate Jacob's hip. And it was for the rest of his life. Here's disability by design. 
nothing fluke about it. God gave him a limp. And can you see Jacob that day? Can you see him limping? Go back into the camp. Need a staff, I need a stick, I need some old staff, you know, it's another thing. Can you see him limping back in the camp? Can you see young Dan or Aisha or Reuben shouting, Hey, mom, 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 what's wrong with my dad today? He's walking different. He, he doesn't look the same. He's not the same anymore. Jacob never spoke a word. Jacob was different. Jacob wasn't old Jacob anymore. Jacob was Israel. There was a transformation on the inside that was evident on the outside. Huh? And when I look at a believer, if I don't see the fruit, I question the root. Jacob was changed. And this message, the message of that changing didn't come from his lips. It came from his limp. The way that he walked. It just was his talk that was different. It was his walk. Jacob had an encounter with God and God touched him and God changed him. And oh, may everyone this morning, including myself, Lord, start with me, including myself, may we have an encounter with God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Dale, or Pastor Dale. Thank you for listening to me too, by the way. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord and I've enjoyed his presence and enjoyed your company too. God bless. Bless the Lord.